This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 420 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are horselovers.com and listeners like you, our auditors. This week, we meet auditor Lynn Popa, and we have a chat with Nick from the Make It Snappy Productivity Show. He's going to share tips about setting boundaries. And the horselovers.com product review is the equine couture Biata Full Seat Breach. That's a mouthful. Listen in. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, where weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop This is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. And joining me as guest host this week is Auditor Rachel Rosenthal. Glenn is busy getting ready for his big vacation, so Rachel and I are running the show. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the show. This is going to be fun. It's like the girls running the show. Sorry, Glenn. Right? It's going to be a good show. Oh, we're going to have fun. I have no doubt. Actually, I'm kind of glad that I don't have to take a beating from Glenn this week. So this is a little bit of a reprieve for me. Oh, no. What happened? Well, you know, every week, Glenn likes to... I like to say scooch me. He's like my big brother. So if I had pigtails, every week Glenn would do the equivalent of pulling my pigtails. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, tonight so I get I'm a not break from that. I'm not going to do that. So I'm just going to let you run free. Embrace, embrace yourself, and just be a shooting star. Shooting star. Thank you. Anytime. Thank you. Would you like to come back on the show next week? Too? <laughs> Glenn would, would, would approve of that. He might he might look at this show and be like, kick her out of the auditor's room. She's she's not even allowed on this property. So Well, we'll do our best for you, Glenn, while you are getting ready for your big vacation. I'm a little jealous. I well, I'm envious. I wish I was going out to Colorado with you and Jen. Oh, they're gonna have we'll so all look much forward. Fun. They are gonna have a lot of fun and we're all gonna be waiting with bated breath for photos and recaps of all of your adventures. And it sounds like there's a festival and a meetup and, ah, oh, they're going to have fun. I know. They get to meet. They're like celebrities. They travel all over the country and they have these meetups and stuff. So, yeah. And they're worth it. They're really, I'll tell you, if, if you're listening and you're part of the meetup that's coming in Colorado, you will absolutely love Glenn and Jennifer. I mean, if you don't love them already on the air, when you meet them in person, you're going to love them that much more. They really are what you see is what you get. And clearly what you see is just a lot of love and, and energy. So you're going to, I'm really excited for our friends in Colorado to, to meet the essence of the horse radio network. Oh, they're going to have so much fun. 
We all get in a rut when it comes to shopping for horse supplies online. If you have not tried horselovers.com yet, then you are missing out on one of the world's largest online tack shops and all the best brands like Noble Outfitters, Ariat, Turn 2, Tough One, Professionals Choice, Weaver, and many, many more. Visit horselovers.com every day to see their daily deals and flash sales. Horselovers.com has everything for the Western and trail rider. So get on over to horselovers.com today and save. So while Glenn and Jennifer are off gallivanting in Colorado, uh, Rachel, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, you've been listening to many shows on the Horse Radio Network for quite a while now, and you're very active in the HRN Auditors Group. In fact, you moderate it. Tell us a little bit about, or our listeners, about who who's Rachel? Oh my goodness, I don't know about that. Um, I I've just asked. Wow, you ride I horses, really no Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> you just start out with I. My name is Rachel. Like, I, I love know. horses. Some days I'm a muppet. Some days I'm a person. <laughs> no, um, I I ride horses. I grew up in the in harness racing. Um, so it's been there from from pretty much day one. Um, and I've currently got a little four-year-old appendix quarter horse mare that, uh, we're gearing up for our show season because of being in the desert. Our show season starts next, this Saturday. Now you live, so when now, you say you live in the desert, you, you're in the Las Vegas area? Correct. Okay. And so is there, past, uh, we, is there mm-hmm. a heavy horse population there? Is it that sort of, is there a lot of horse activity going uh, on? Not as much as Phoenix or LA, but we have a fair amount. Um, there's more than you would think. Okay. There, 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 and there's quite a range of disciplines. I mean, everything from hunters and dressage to rodeo and gymkhana and, you know, everything in between. Um, so what do you do? What kind yeah. of riding do you do? Well, I have a little four-year-old that I'm hoping to get to some hunter-jumper shows when she grows up, uh, maybe do a little dressage with her. And I would love to uh, kind of point her towards doing the over-fences classes at quarter horse shows. Hmm. Um, they have a really neat program now. Uh, Lainey DeBowers, I think, was involved with starting uh, a derby series. Um, for quarter horses to show at quarter horse shows, like the hunter derbies, like you'll see at the USCF shows. And I've always thought that just looks like such a blast. So hopefully someday, uh, when my filly grows up, that's what we'll be pointing her towards. But right now we're just aiming for, you know, learning how to be a show horse and going to our first show of the fall this, uh, Saturday and, you know, not dying. I'm big on the not dying. dying. (laughs) Are you doing all the training yourself? I have a trainer that'll come in and work uh, with me. She'll give me lessons, um, but I've done most of the riding myself, yes. And are you confident? Like, I know that when my trainer comes, she doesn't come very often. I'm not like a weekly lesson rider. So I feel like I have a lot of the training. You know, my horse is a backyard trail horse. So when I want to do a show with him, I really have to, there's a lot of training that I have to do, but she'll come down and sort of tune me up a little bit and then I can tune him up. Do you feel like you're on your own when you're um, working with your horse or do you feel pretty comfortable helping her get where (laughs) Um, she needs to go? Normally she's about, she'll come in about once a week and we'll do a weekly lesson. Um, We have this show coming up Saturday, like I said. Um, which is going to be fun. It's an introductory show that the 
Quarter Horse Association uh, puts on here. And it'll be neat. But I had my mare had had about 10 days off due mainly to my back issues. I had some back stuff going on and she got some chiropractic work done. And ever since she was a little baby, if she'd get a few days off, you put her back to work. She turns into Hermione Granger trying to free the house elves, and she is a house elf. <laughs> it is just like picture your worst teenage daughter eye rolling drama moment, and that is my horse when she has to go back to work. So, luckily, my trainer just has the patience of a saint, and um, she's been out almost every day this week, you know, trying to get little Miss Thing back in the, on the schedule. And today she did. Today she went out, she was perfect. She finally gave up her one-horse war against equine, uh, you know, slavery. And uh, so that was that was nice. So today she did good. So do you find it helpful? When do you find it mm-hmm. helpful, like when your trainer comes out and you watch you watch him or her get your horse to do things that you really weren't quite sure that your horse could do, and then. Like when I see my trainer get somewhere with my horse, it makes me feel good. Like, okay, I know my horse can do it. It's just a matter of me asking the right questions or pressing the right buttons. Sometimes I don't really know if what I'm if my horse is um, capable of what I'm asking for. But then when I see, oh my gosh, we have that conversation every. Well, my trainer doesn't ride. Um, She's she's retired from riding, so it's mainly um, her convincing me that I can get lyric to do it. Oh, um, because sometimes I'll be like, we can't do that. And she's like, yes, you most certainly can, you know, so it's definitely more of or she's not giving you enough, you, you know, what what she she's she's not doing it. She's she's kind of playing you a little bit. You need to be firmer. You need to ask for more. You need to release and praise her more quickly, like those sorts of things for sure. Right. So you have to actually have a lot of faith in what she's saying. You can't watch it and then believe it. You you can, it's, you know, like seeing is believing, but you actually have to have a little bit, a little bigger leap of faith when you're working with your trainer. Oh yeah. And I mean, I trust, I trust her pretty implicitly. I mean, she's, she's been there. She's done that. She's got the t-shirt and she's, yeah, she's not gonna, she's not gonna give me a story or, um, say something that isn't true. If she sees it, she'll say it. And I trust her. So yeah, that's really good to hear. Well, we're going to be rooting for you. And I know that you provide updates regularly between (laughs) all the horses and the morning stuff and the auditors group. We love to hear your updates and see what's happening with you and Lyric. So keep it up. You have another fan here on Stable Scoop. Oh, she's so funny. I mean, she's just the funniest horse. She has so much personality and she's such a clown that it's I like, I gotta share this. I'm such a I'm such a mom with this horse. I'm like, everyone look at my child. She's so funny, you know. So <laughs> well that means I, you're well matched. Oh, that's true. We're definitely oh yeah. We are we are we're something all right. <laughs> Well, speaking of well-matched, we have another good match that's coming up on today's show. Rachel and I are going to chat with Nick Snap from the Make It Snappy Productivity Show. Nick is part of our monthly feature segment. And, you know, horse people really need to figure out how to stay organized, save time, because, you know, whoever has enough time. Um, And Nick is always here with some really good advice. So this week, we're going to talk to him about... Uh, setting boundaries. And I guess if you don't set boundaries, then you can lose a lot of time. So um, let's move on to our next segment and welcome Nick Snap from the Make It Snappy Productivity Show. 
It's time for our productivity tip of the month with Nick Snap, host of the Make It Snappy Productivity Show. Welcome back to the Stable Scoop Radio Show, Nick. I am really looking forward to our conversation today because your productivity tips really do make a difference in, I know, in my everyday life. And according to our show notes, you're going to be talking to us about boundaries today. What does that mean? I sure am. Well, thanks so much for having me back, Lena. It's an absolute pleasure every time I come on and get to talk to your audience. So it's fun. But boundaries, yeah, boundaries are a really, really big thing and not really focused on productivity space. You know, we get so like wrapped up with efficiency of how we talk to people or the technology that fosters efficiency for talking to people, but we don't really talk about the interpersonal relationships themselves, which can be one of the most productive things we can do is establishing those healthy boundaries and personal policies in and around the way that we interact. So I encourage anybody who's in a productivity to look at this aspect first. It's huge. How do interpersonal relationships, how would a lack of boundaries or a lack of healthy relationships um, negatively impact your productivity or your efficiency? Oh, it's a great question. Yeah, it's, it's all about like looking at, okay, I want to be productive. I want to work on the right things. Productivity is about working on the right things at the right times. So if people are coming into your life, whether it's electronically, like email, we talked about that in the show before, that's just an electronic interruption. It's no different with interactions, like human interactions face-to-face. People are coming into your world and you're getting put on agenda versus vice versa. Like you moving forward, what you need to do to get your work done well, to add value. So one of the huge, the, the biggest things that with boundaries is figuring out how can you set up the infrastructure in your routine, in your life, your work environment to minimize those interruptions? So I have a few tips. Do you want to hear? Bring it on, brother. <laughs> this well, is I, the number one thing I need, man. Let's you, hear it. you too, Rachel? Awesome. I mean, it's like, do you have problems oh setting boundaries? It's, yeah. yeah. I remember working in corporate. Um, I'd have to close my door to my office if I was trying to get something done. And it, I felt so guilty closing my door. You know, I had, as a manager, I had an open door policy. Anybody could come in and ask questions, but there are times where you really need to get things done. But there was always this guilt factor around closing your door, which I guess in some way was, was setting a boundary. But I think if I had heard someone, uh, if I had a podcast back then that talked about setting healthy boundaries, I might've felt a little less guilty about that. Um, So let's hear some of the tips. What do you have? Yeah, good old open door policy. That was a massive segue into my first point is to close the dang door. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about that a little bit. So the act of closing the door, as you said, it gives the impression that the person behind the door is working on something important and would prefer not to be interrupted. But it could also give the impression that like they're goofing off. It's a guilt thing. So yeah, as a manager, I was a manager. I had seven people under me before I left corporate. So you can do some things to show your boss or any random invaders a little grace. So one thing that's awesome, if you have an office door, it doesn't work so well for the cubicle, but for an office door, it's taking a little sign and just saying, please do not disturb until after 11 a.m., 2 p.m., whatever. That just gives you a window to work. So that gives that person the sense that, look, whoever, whoever's behind the door, this this person's really working on something important. They They're blocking out their time. They're being very deliberate. And you're going to get respect from that versus just closing it and 
seeing kind of how it goes, which is kind of a crapshoot on what people would think. So the other thing that that really does is putting that sign out there and giving yourself that limit and opening yourself up to, you know, office hours per se in a very organic way is it also holds your personal feet to the fire for getting that critical task done for the day. Right. Mm. So once you've accomplished what that one important thing is that you want to set out to complete for the day, you've you're done. Like you, wow, I accomplished this thing. And maybe it only took an hour, maybe it took two hours, but it's done. You don't have to worry about people coming in because you have already knocked it out of the park. So you're being more and more deliberate for getting your stuff done first and then allowing other people in and having the space to one, one, just you are able to give them 100% of your focus because you're not trying to get back to that task. You've already knocked it out. So they're getting the best of you if you schedule that time with them. And your so that's, expect- that's the first one. Your expectations are clear, or meaning you you set the goal for yourself. You've actually written it down, um, and anyone approaching you will understand exactly what's happening. So, um, so their expectation of you is, oh, okay, she's on a deadline or needs to be focused, and so there's less um, inner talk on their part about what you may totally. or may not be doing, which then yeah, leaves them more open to when you guys can start to have your conversation or you are now accessible to whomever's trying to reach you. Um, you're both, you're, both of your minds are free. Because the, uh, you even, are so right. Because the person asking for your time doesn't feel like they're invading your space at that moment. And if they open that door, knowing that you have that sign on your door, that do not disturb till 11 o'clock or whatever, then they know for sure what they're needing to bring to the table with you is very, very critical. Like it is actually an emergency, not just a nice to have sort of thing. So that's the office part. If you actually have a door, if you're in a cubicle though, it's a little bit more complicated because if you hung like a little sign on your cubicle, like a little hangy sign, it would just get laughed at or ignored, right? Like it just, people can't take that sort of thing seriously. So if you are, I wouldn't say unfortunate enough, although I'm thinking it, to be in a cubicle, no offense to anybody listening, it's just, it's not a, it's not a productive way of work life. It's just not. Try to figure out a way to negotiate time away from your desk. That's it. And it's, we can talk all about negotiation strategies, but setting those boundaries with how you work well in certain environments is huge. So when I was working in cube in corporate, I actually had a cubicle for a while towards the end of my career when I was a leader of seven different people versus before that I had an office and I didn't lead anybody. I was a project manager. So it was a huge change, turn of event events that people would come by all the time. But I set the boundaries very, very early. Hmm. I set the culture that, look, this is how I work effectively. I don't work well in the cubicle. I'm sitting here because you guys, this is my workspace. This is what you've allocated for me, but I don't work well here. If I'm concentrating on something, I'm leaving. I'm going down to the cafeteria. I'm going to find a conference room. I'm going to find your office to go work in, but it's not going to be the cubicle. So if you see me here at the cubicle, I'm not getting it done. So, and, and you do that. Maybe you're not like in their face about that, but over time, you're leading by example. You're thinking, hey, where last half an hour? Oh, I had this critical project I was working on, so I just went and grabbed that conference room over there. And I got to tell you, I knocked it out of the park. I just got done more work in 30 minutes than I did eight hours yesterday sitting in this cubicle. I I used to say stuff like that all the time, escaping Hmm. the cubicle and planting those seeds over time. You got to have a good reputation. You got to perform really, really well to be able to have the freedom to do that kind of thing. So prove yourself first and then start planting those seeds. This is how I work efficiently. This is best for the team. It's not about you. It's about the company or who you're working for, the team. 
that make sense? That that absolutely makes sense. All right. What's up? What else do we have for another tip? I like this. Keep it going. <laughs> well, if you do, if you don't have the ability to escape your cubicle, one thing is to kind of create a disguise, right? So wearing headphones or a mm-hmm. phone headset is a really cool way to kind of disguise yourself into not being interrupted because people tend to keep moving if they see that you're on your phone or if they see you have headphones on. And if they do stop, you can kind of put the like the one finger hold on sign, like just hold on a second or yeah, (laughs) and you can kind of show them tied up until 11 o'clock or whatever time, you know, that's just a way that prevents the, the passing by traffic, you know, right. One of the things that was my go-to in college, man, that was, was, I would go to the Starbucks, (laughs) I would put on the headphones and if someone came up to bother me, you do the, where you take the one headphone off and you do like the eyebrow raise, like, yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and that was exactly. the way I managed to get all my work done because otherwise people are always coming up and what are you doing? What are you this? What are you that? I'm in the phones, man. You leave me alone. Oh, so yeah. The, that's, yeah, I that's like it. Yeah. There are nonverbal ways then with your body language and your posture to to tell somebody gently. I mean, you do want to you want to have this sort of non-conversation with a certain amount of grace. So there's body sure. language and there are things that you can do that tell somebody that you're not actually open to conversation at this point. That's right. And that's, that's the, where the art kind of comes in. Like you don't want to be rude and unapproachable, but you want to be very deliberate and firm. So when somebody does come by and they're going to come by. So another tip is like a set a deadline, right? If somebody just relentlessly insists on interrupting you in your critical time and you've attempted the tactics that we're kind of talking about already, tell them upfront, as soon as they start talking, look, I have two minutes to talk right now, quickly find out what it is that they need and have them commit to the two minute deadline. If don't leave anything open and if it starts extending or that you think it's going to extend behind the, the two minutes, say, look, I have at three fifteen today. Why don't we reschedule this conversation? It's a 15 minute window. Let's get it done then and force them to reschedule the interruption per se. <laughs> so you're putting it on your time and you can schedule around it. Then you, you can bang out your work. So that's a really, really good one. Like I just, we just get too sucked into the, my favorite part in the, in the corporate world is when people just start talking, like your backs to them and they just start going as if like whatever you're doing is so un, un, unimportant. There's, and and there's the always kind of somebody people. who doesn't pick up on your cues, you know, you, you're oh, like, okay, yeah. dude, situational <laughs> awareness here. Right, Rachel. I mean, oh, even in, <laughs> in the horse, what, do you experience this in your, um, in your work life where you have to, you find yourself having to set boundaries now as an entrepreneur, as for yes. Rachel, as a horse person, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, or, or yeah, horse person. either oh, in your job goodness. or in your um, horse life. Uh, yes. Although not as much as, like I said, when I was, when I was at college, um, I could have used this whole thing. I, when I was teaching, I had a short stint mm. where I was, uh, an elementary school teacher and this would have been pure gold for that, you know, learning how to set boundaries, especially with, with kids and, and coworkers and things. Um, for the most part, I've worked with my same crew for so long that we don't even need words anymore. Like if someone comes up, they can just look at you and be like, oh, okay, you're busy. Bye. Like we've gotten pretty good at reading our nonverbal body language. But, but you, so you have those, yeah. those you've developed um, strong interpersonal relationships with the people that you, you work with. So the boundaries are there and they're healthy and they're respected. For the most part, yeah. I yeah. mean, for the most part, we it's do always work somebody, together. Always somebody who wants to push your boundaries. Hey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, they're pretty healthy. Lyric pushes boundaries. The horse the horse is the one that will constantly be pushing the boundaries. She's like the little <laughs> kid that's always poking at you like, hey, I'm touching you. I'm touching yeah, you. Kids don't give up. It's true. Yeah. And you know, not give up. 
horses do uh they need boundaries and once you give them mm-hmm. clear ones they they respect them and i think they feel safer and better they they quote unquote know where they stand children are the same way you know they're always going to test their fences and once they know that their fences are strong and firm they it almost gives them a freedom to work with a little more confidence within those boundaries i can't nick i can't imagine that it's very different when you then take that principle and expand it into the rest of your working life oh it's so so critical. Yeah. They, there's boundaries all the time. It's like when you have a phone call with a client or something, just setting that frame up front. Like what are, what are the expectations of the call? This is this is what you should expect from the call. This is how I run them up front so that you get out of that realm of letting it go over or whatever. And then like getting to this uh, real tactical productivity stuff as far as setting a timer to know where you're at. Set a kitchen timer as you're sitting there on the phone. Oh, wow. Look, I've already been talking for 10 minutes. Let's get this thing moving. Just going to keep that constant awareness. Well, see, that's a perfect segue because we have been talking for a little while and we're out of time for more tips. So what I'd like to do is send our listeners to a place where they can find more about this magic treasure chest of productivity tips that you have. Where can people find more? Well, I think one of the great things for people that I'd love for people to come check out my Facebook group. It's called Productive on Purpose. It's P-O-P. They're my poppers. So I think I said this on the show once, but I'm Snap and now I got Pop and then we have Glenn who is Uncle Crackle. We talked about that before. So uh, <laughs> so yeah, come back. Check it out. He hates that. <laughs> so, so we got poppers in your, pro- say the name of the group again. It's Productive on Purpose. You can just look at it in Facebook or you can to send the word accountable to 44222 and you can join the Facebook group. And if um, anybody wants to set up a session to talk about this in detail, free strategy session, just go to makeitsnappyshow.com. That's my four, That's my website, excuse me, makeitsnappyshow.com forward slash application. Excellent. And we'll be sure to post links on the Stable Scoop Radio Show website to all things Nick Snap. Thanks again for joining us, Nick. As always, it's a pleasure to have you. You're welcome. Likewise. Thanks so much for having me. It is the year of the listener. And now, our Stable Scoop Listener of the Week. Well, up next, it's our listener interview segment, which is my favorite part of the Stable Scoop show this year. And we have listener Lynn Popa on with us. And Lynn is in the state of Michigan, where I actually have some family. So let's say hi to Lynn and welcome to the show. Hey, Lynn. Hey, how you all doing? So what's going on? In, what's going on in Michigan? Do they even have horses there? What's what's that? What? Oh, we have tons of horses <laughs> no in Michigan. But that had snow, right? Um, no, not yet. No, it's like ninety degrees <laughs> and ninety percent humidity right now. I feel like I live in freaking Florida. Yeah, yeah. It's tropical land. It's oh just, the equator has moved north, and we don't know what to do. I think with it that. did. Yeah, I think it did. So, what do you do up what there? What part in Michigan? of Michigan are you in? Oh, sorry. I'm about an hour. I'm about an hour northwest of Detroit. An hour okay. northwest. And then northern, northern, northern Oakland County, which is actually quite horsey. Okay. okay. So I'm making the hand. If I'm making the hand. Okay, down about uh, in between your thumb joint and the webbing between your thumb and your finger. <laughs> Ah, okay. Got it. Helene, do you know how to raise the hand? I do. They call it, in, in our family, they call it the mitten. 
the, it's the, the mitten. mitten. The mitten. Yeah. It's very handy for pointing out where you are or where you want to go. <laughs> it, should, it really is. And Michigan's a pretty big state, actually. I mean, I live in Rhode Island, is. which is like 20 minutes from, from border to border. Um, what kind right. of, what, what do you do with your horses? What kind of horses do you have, Lynn? I have a thoroughbred Frisian cross that I bred. Uh, I had the crazy off-track thoroughbred mare, and I bred her to a Frisian that would breed to anybody for 750 bucks. <laughs> so she's <laughs> she's my uh, my driving horse, trail riding horse, fox hunting horse. And then uh, my my husband passed away a few years ago, and uh, I had to buy him a new horse before he had passed away because his horse was old. And so uh, the the remaining hubby horse is uh, a gated Morgan. Wow! Cool. Oh, those are cool. I've seen a couple of those, and they just look like fun. Is, is he, he as fun, fun as, as they look? Okay. Yeah, he's he's a lot of fun to ride. He's comfortable. He does trot, but his trot's pretty choppy. But he he does a little four beaded something or other. I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, I always look like you were riding a sports car to me. Like they just look fun. Yeah, yeah. He he's pretty zippy. He's, pretty... he's as fat as a sofa, but he's pretty zippy. <laughs> <laughs> I once knew a, I once knew a girl who had a a, a very heavy uh, a husky Morgan, and his name was uh, Chappie. Yeah, and she was constantly <laughs> constantly fighting his his weight problem, and he seemed to be just fine with it. <laughs> she was... Oh, yeah. yeah. Morgans are like Labradors. You know, they see food and they get fat. Okay, okay. He lives in a muzzle. <laughs> That's good to know. Well, you know, Lynn, I'm sorry to hear that you lost your husband, um, but I, I, it, it's nice to hear that you, um, you were able to get him a horse that, that he could enjoy for a while. How long were you married? Oh, yeah. Uh, we were together for 28 years oh. and, um, I had my, my first horse was an old, uh, well, he wasn't old when I got him, but, uh, near as we could guess, he was pony and standard bred. And so he eventually became the husband horse. And then when, when the old guy got too old to ride, we had to give him a replacement because he re- refused to ride the crazy thoroughbred. <laughs> don't blame him. <laughs> I don't blame him, but I really didn't want another horse. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we so we ended up getting uh, getting the Morgan, and um, the old guy we ended up putting him down at thirty six. Wow! Wow! So he lived a good life. Yeah, I bet. Wow. And uh, said, poor, "My poor husband passed away from a heart attack at fifty six, which is not good." But no, that's so young. We're still, still trying to maintain the farm. By myself, which is, you know, as Helena knows, it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> it's difficult. Yeah, you wake Especially up. Especially in the winter. I mean, that's, wow, that's a lot to take on. It is. I mean, I, I have help. I got a, I got a few friends that, that come and help me out. I got a, another a friend that he's been doing evening feeds for me for a while, and now his horse is boarding at my house. So he has to come and do evening feeds. Uh, <laughs> but, and I've got a, got oh, a friend that I used to work with that he hangs out with me and Rides the uh, rides the uh, the Morgan and and helps me out. We go carriage riding together, and we're we're going to the ADS meeting down in Southern Pines together. And so today, before you guys called, we were trying to figure out how to load the carriage and the trailer and pack everything around it. Ah, so you're uh, an active fun. competitive you're... driver? No, I don't compete. I I pleasure drive. I've I did two two pleasure shows in my whole life. Which didn't go too badly, really. I just don't have time to show. It's yeah. like too much work. <laughs> exactly. When you're even with just a... And you have a regular job, too, right? 
I do. Yeah, I work uh, at least forty hours, sometimes a little overtime, and I'm an hour away from work. What do so, you do? Yeah, I work for General Motors. I'm a wood model anchor. Uh, work at design staff, and we build prototype cars and show cars and cool wow, stuff. Wow, that sounds like fun. So do you like cool. it? Did you? I do. Did you do it's art a, it's before? A good job. No, my all my family's fairly artistic, but I actually my and my father worked for General Motors, and so did my grandfather. Um, but um, I kind of fell into it by accident. I was unemployed, and you know, found a notice on a bulletin board that they were taking apprentice applications, and took a while, but I finally got in, not knowing anything. Yeah, that's <laughs> cool. That's a pretty cool. I'm a little envious because I can't make anything. <laughs> you're, it says you're a wood uh, model maker. Either. I can't make anything except for trouble, and even that's not on purpose. Yeah, um, yeah well, you know, we all have to have a talent somewhere. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Is, it, is it like a whittling? Do you whittle at it or do you cut no, it on? No, actually, we used to. A long time ago, um, a long time ago, we actually used to carve things. and you would make a, a mold for a fender or a door or something like that, and then it would eventually get cast and, and made into a die. Um, now that's all done by computer. So mostly we sand out the cutter bumps and make it look pretty, and that's uh, you know, so most cool. of it's done by computer nowadays. But we, we build a lot of cars. Some of them are fake. Some of them are real. Some of them actually drive. Some of them are just there to look at, or we make ones just to sit in and see what the inside looks like. Don't care what the outside looks like. Oh. <laughs> so, but it's kind of cool. That sounds very cool. But oh, it's it, it's a job. It's a full-time job. So then It is a job. It's a job. And I got 30 years in and I'm done having a job. I want to retire. <laughs> Where do you think you retire? Will you stay in Michigan or do you have plans to head south? I don't know. I will stay here for a while until my parents are gone. Um, I still have family here. Uh, but once they're gone, I don't know. I might consider going south or, you know, maybe part-time or something. My farm here is, you know, it's kind of a lot of work, but I just paid for it. I just paid it off like two weeks ago. Oh, congratulations. So, That's huge. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so I'll never have anywhere cheaper to live. Yeah. So, I mean, if <laughs> I had to go somewhere else and board my horses and, you know, pay a new house payment or rent or whatever, it would cost me a ton of money. I mean, even just to board in my neighborhood, if I wanted to go somewhere nice, it'd cost me six hundred bucks a month per horse. Yeah. And you know, now and it just cost me to feed them and yep. fix the fences. <laughs> I wow. can attest. I'm raising my right hand to the fences part, especially <laughs> when you have and the old ones who know that they can get away with busting through those fences. Oh right. Oh, I'm not going to get in trouble. I'm old and decrepit. She won't uh-huh. get mad at me. I'll just bust right. through this fence again. <laughs> Yeah, they scratch their butts on the boards, or I used to have electric fence, which most of the time wasn't turned on, and they figured that out. Uh, <laughs> Mine's never turned on. There's so many weeds growing over it, too. Exactly, exactly. This is, this is horses at home. This is the life. All right, Rachel, are you, going, are you ready to ask Lynn the rapid-fire questions? I am. Okay. Do are, you have- you, are you ready to answer the rapid-fire questions, Lynn? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening okay. to these things for so long. Hopefully I have appropriate answers. <laughs> I know with me, I had I'd kind of planned it out. I'm like, okay, if they ask me this one, I'm going to answer this. And then they'd ask it. And I was like, oh, I have no idea. What to say. Right, you, exactly. I have faith in you. I have faith in you. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
the rapid fire questions. Don't think too hard. Just first thing out of your out of your head. What is your favorite food? Craft beer. And chocolate. Nice. She had to get I the like chocolate it. in there. I like you. <laughs> and maybe even together, like depending on what kind of beer it is. <laughs> I like the beer as food. I <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Um, what on the other side, what is your least favorite food? Raw oysters. I just can't get over the snottiness. <laughs> I'm right there. I'll eat them cooked. I'm not going to eat them raw. <laughs> yep. Put them in a chowder. We're awesome. Uh, hand of yeah, Royster's Rockefeller. I'm all for it. But <laughs> <laughs> What is your biggest equestrian pet peeve? People who have had horses forever but don't really seem to know much and just aren't very good horsemen. Oh, because they yeah. seem to know quite a few of those. <laughs> and then and then they always and then it always gets backed up with the well I've done this forever so I know what I'm talking right. about yes. Yes. I yep. actually had somebody ask me one time how do you know so much I said, because I've been reading horse books since I could read that's why <laughs> yep 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 <laughs> I subscribe to like five different horse publications I read books and I'm like yeah I go to clinics I take lessons and yeah. yeah, and I'm, you know, and the more you know, the more you don't know. That's but some so people true. are just clueless. <laughs> That's true, and there they yep. shall remain because they don't have, they're not motivated to learn more. They, I guess not. Yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. see. Do you? Speaking of clinics, do you have a favorite professional or celebrity equestrian? I don't know. I thought I'd think about that one for a while. I don't really follow anybody, but I guess if I had to pin one down, I would say Buck Brannaman. Hmm. He I seems think, so uh, cool, doesn't he? He does. I've gone to a couple of his clinics, but I haven't really, you know, gotten up close and personal and, you know, had any major conversations with him or anything. But, yeah, I would. And he, yeah, he tends to kind of leave you hanging a little bit if you don't understand the language. But, um, you know, you got to kind of sort your way through it. But I do, I do like his, you know, his ways. So, yeah, they do a clinic. He does a clinic up here in northern Michigan every other year. And I was, I was able to go to as an auditor. I was not able to bring a horse. But, yeah, I'd, I'd like to do that again if I can fit it into the schedule. <laughs> would you would you like to take your horse next time, or would you like to just? Oh, I would, but he. I'd love to take a horse with me, but he is so booked up to bring horses. You know, you yeah. can audit, but yeah, try to get a horse into that, and it's really expensive too. I think it's like six right, or eight hundred right. bucks. Uh, which you know, if you if you have it and you can get in, it's it's worth it. Right. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I went to Sellington Jones Clinic one time, and I think it was six hundred dollars too. So. Um, oh, what yeah. was that like? Very touchy feely, <laughs> <laughs> as you would expect from Ms. Jones. <laughs> Those are the ones that have names like lion's paw and uh huh, yeah, clouded leopards yeah. and raccoon touches and yes, yes. <laughs> my horse didn't have a lot of patience for all that. She's a little more active, and I, honestly, I think she my horse kind of scared her a little. <laughs> Oh, she wasn't a touchy-feely kind of girl. No, she really isn't. <laughs> I got one of those myself. Um, let's see. 
Other, what career other than one with horses would you like to try? I think I would like to try to be a professional musician. I actually had thoughts of doing that at one time when I was in high school. Rockstar just sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it it sounds like fun, but you probably don't make much money at it. You really kind of still have to have a day job. (laughs) (laughs) Would you sing or do you play some instruments? I'm a trumpet player. Awesome. I'm a real good one, but I am a trumpet player. (laughs) Awesome. I'm adequate. How cool. Um, do you yeah, guys have like in, some of the local bands and orchestras and things that you can join? Or? Yeah, we, there is community bands and stuff around, but I, I work second shift, so it makes it really hard for me to oh. play in a band. Mm. Um, but I do sit in with a rock and roll cover band, and I march in a uh, senior drum and bugle corps. So we're a bunch of old farts oh, reliving cool. our childhood. Um, oh, how fun is and, that? And I, do, and I sit in with a jazz rehearsal band. So I'm trying to trying to keep the chops up as much as I can. And as soon as I retire, I'm going to join five more bands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my awesome. gosh. No, I work second shift, too, and I played oboe, and I ran into the oh, same okay. problem. Like, there were so many bands that were like, come, please, like our community bands. And, yeah, um, I mean, how many oboe players We had, like, a around? community orchestra. <laughs> right, but unfortunately, because I work second shift, you know, I, I could never do You're right. it. Oh, how fun. All right, we have right, time for one see. more question. Okay. Oh. If your horse could speak, what question would you ask them? Why are you so mean? Mm. <laughs> I'm convinced my horse absolutely doesn't like me. And like I said, I bred and raised her, and she has been the most difficult horse ever. And I'm convinced she really does not like me. But I just kind of wonder, I, I why do you hate me so much? <laughs> <laughs> She's 19 I, I years have... old, so this has been going on for a really long time. <laughs> At some point, she's just got to accept. I think we've all encountered her. You know, like I've, I've gone tons of places with her. We've done tons of things, but she just has her own opinion on stuff, and she's just very difficult. She kicks, she bites, she barks. She'll run off if she thinks she gets the opportunity to. You know, she's just not a very pleasant horse to deal with. And I, you know, I'm, I guess I'm stubborn enough that I'm not going to inflict her on somebody else. I'm not going to try to sell her. <laughs> But right. um, she likes and at my this trainer, point, though. Had... I've been trying to give her to my trainer. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point, you've had 19 years together, so it's not like anything she does is a surprise. Like, yeah, know, no, none of it's a surprise. You, you know I can read it. I know when it's coming. You know? <laughs> yep. Yep. At least you know when it's coming. That's good. It's when they ambush you that yep. you really have a hard time with it. Yeah. Well, Lynn, it was really nice to get to know you. It sounds like you've got a lot of really good things on your plate. Your your angry mare, not the least of which. But um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're we're happy to get to know you, and uh, we wish you all the best in keeping that farm of yours going now that you own it. Whoa. So uh, we look forward to seeing you. Are you in the auditors group? I am. I'm not right. real active. I throw in my two cents worth every now and again when I think I can make a useful contribution, but I'm not an active Facebook person. I really don't even know exactly how it all works. That's good. Like That's when, better. When Denise, when Denise tried to get a hold of me, I didn't even know there was like a whole private message column thing. I didn't even know that was there. <laughs> well, we're glad you, oh, you figured need to it come out. On over. We glad you figured yeah, it out. Yeah, I'm I'm more of a lurker than anything else. <laughs> well, we're glad you I figured it out. Other, 
And thank you I, very I can look much. I other people's stuff. All right. Well, thanks a bunch, and, and nice talking to y'all. Glad you, you called me. Take care. Well, next up, it's our Tack and Habit segment. And this week, the segment is sponsored by Horselovers.com. We have listener Angela Bailey joining us to review The Beata Breach by Equine Couture. Welcome, Angie, to the Stable Scoop Show. Thank you. So you had a chance to try the Equine Couture Beata Full Seat Breach. Do you usually ride in full seat breeches? I actually almost exclusively ride either in a full seat breech or full seat tight, one or the other. Okay. What kind of riding do you typically do? Uh, my fox hunt and event. Perfect. Perfect. There's nothing like a good pair of full seats yeah. when you're hunting. <laughs> yeah. To give you that little extra bit of, of hang on ability. Yeah. And sure. Yeah. That they give you a little bit more of that. Um, I actually was really impressed. They are using some kind of a new fabric on the, actually the full seat part of the breech itself. Um, and it had an incredible stickiness, um, might be a little too sticky for some, but I, I felt like it was exactly what you're looking for when you do want a full seat breech with that extra, extra grippiness that, that helps out from time to time. Nice. I was really impressed with that. What else did you like about them? Um, I like, they had a nice lightweight, it was a nice lightweight fabric and it had a lot of give. Um, the only thing is I would say for me personally, it was just a little too lightweight. Um, I tend to like something that doesn't quite show pocket lines or, you know, you can't, you can't quite, you know, see anything too much underneath. Um, but it's kind of a catch 22. I wanted, I would like the white, I got it in white by the way. And, and I liked that it was light for these really hot, humid days we've been having in Maryland. Yeah. Um, but then for competition, maybe it, I'm not quite sure I would go so far as to, to want to wear that like in a dressage competition where jackets are excused because it, you know, it just is a little thinner than I would like. Okay. And what about comfort? They were comfortable. Um, the, again, show-wise, um, I, and I'm at that age where... I like the nice wider waistband. Yeah, um, that's what I was looking at. And although, <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's great. They ha- they had that, but again, I have to say that um, when I even put my belt on, it it didn't have enough su- substance to the fabric that it would just sort of you know bulk, get a little bit bulky. And then, like through the stomach area, sitting in the saddle, you know, I like something that has a little more reinforcement in the front. Um, you know, old people problems. Right. But, uh, and this didn't quite have that. So again, if I'm really looking for a a nice, impeccable, smooth look for, um, a recognized competition, um, probably not, but I did take them out cross country schooling a couple of times. I did ride them in, uh, my event cross country for that. You know, I was pretty happy with them because they had a lot of give, they had a lot of grippiness. Yeah, but if I again, if I just really wanted to be impeccable in the dressage presentation when jackets are excused, it probably wouldn't be my go-to breech. Okay, how do you feel about the um, the ankles, the bottom of the breech? Oh, I'm just 
finally, <laughs> companies are getting put in, and they're they're putting that lighter weight fabric, um, you know, like below the knee, so that when you you know, and then you can get the really nice slim socks. Yeah. So for summer, mm-hmm. when you still have to wear your hideous black boots, um, you know, you're not taking like three people to push and shove and heave to get your boot on and off. Um, and it just, it's just so great that, the, you know, more and more of the breach companies are, are getting the idea that, that that's a, a remarkable improvement. So these breaches did offer that. Then that was really nice. And yeah. I felt they were a true, I got the regular. So sometimes regular for me can get, I'm not even tall, but they can get a little uh, too far up the calf. So yep. I'm about five, five. And I felt that they were right at the right spot that they weren't, they didn't get too long, but they didn't get like in the middle of my calf where then it can start to really, um, you know, jab into my calf with a tight boot on. So yeah, yeah that part of, you know, yeah, really good, good innovation there too. Wonderful. And um, well, go ahead. Well, I, I mean, overall, I thought their price point is good because they're the, I think you can get them on horse lovers for right around a hundred dollars. So to get a, a good quality breach with all the innovation that this breach has, I still think it's a good, um, they're a really good deal. I have, you know, my tights I'll pay as much as $70, $80 for, and these breaches are definitely a step up from just a tight. So yeah. they're definitely worth the money. That's that's really good to hear, especially I really like the fact that you appreciated the grip and the fabric that they had. So they're comfortable to wear. They do their job in terms of providing the extra security that a full seat is supposed to provide for you. Um, I know sometimes mm-hmm. you get those full seats and you just you, you don't there's nothing there. It's just a change of fabric. So um, the innovations yeah. <laughs> in something like this. is, And sometimes you're pushing yourself a little beyond your comfort zone when you're schooling. So even if they're not appropriate for the ring, um, it sounds like they're a really good bargain, well, a good deal for, for schooling. Yeah, and I mean, I'm lucky in that I have a really grippy cross-country saddle, but um, I was just talking to a friend of mine hunting. I don't know what colors they have, but um, I just, because I went with the white, I'd have to look. But if you don't have... You, you know, necessarily a really grippy saddle. I mean, this is, I would definitely recommend a breach like this because um, that can really save you. I mean, I used, I don't know how I rode in those flat uh, hunter style, no knee rolls, no nothing saddles when I was in my 20s because now I'm like, I need grip on my breeches, on my saddle, I need blocks everywhere. Those old Steubens were like right. riding on glass. <laughs> what did what? But then again, you know, we had legs of steel back then too. So it was, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yep. All right. So would you recommend every them? Every little bit helps. I would recommend them. Yes. And like I said, I mean, when you get so many breaches that are, and I'll just say it, you know, they're more interested in the flash and dash and please pay 200 some dollars. You know, these are classy looking. That was the other thing is, you know, you're kind of proud to wear them because they got the nice, you know, the two horse little logo and they had some off, um, what do they call it? The stitching that's like, you know, offset stitching and a little, just enough little flair to them, so to speak, that it gave it a classy look without being too over the top to draw attention to places I don't want to draw attention to. Yes, ma'am. So yeah, I would definitely recommend them. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Well, that is the Equine Couture Beata Full Seat Breach, and you can find them at horselovers.com. I think they're somewhere around $98 and change as we speak. So thank you very much, Angie yeah. Bailey, for doing the review for us today. Sure. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. 
Well, I'd love to hear a good review on breeches because I'm such a, I don't know about you, what you wear when you ride, but I always ride in breeches because I can't stand lumps and bumps and seams and, and distractions. So it's nice to hear when someone has a positive review about breeches. What, what do you ride in, Rachel? I, you know, I'm a breech convert. I absolutely love them. As a kid, I rode in only jeans. And now that I've switched to boots and breeches, you're right. Like I, I like, I like the stretchy factor. I hate like how bound up you kind of feel when you ride in jeans, you know, cause riding English, it just, it makes more sense to wear boots and breeches. And I just got my first pair of full seats, which is why I was curious about the whole, did she notice that the full seats were a little more grippy than the knee patch because I'm in love with them. They are just <laughs> the most comfortable. Like now that I've ridden in, in a good pair of full seats, I'm like, ah, oh, okay, I guess I'll, I'll have to wash them and wear the knee patch. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yep. It's true. I'll have yeah. to wear the, my knee patch breeches while my full seats are in the wash. It's true. <laughs> right. And I mean, I have a couple of awesome pair of knee patch breeches that I love too, but you know, well, it's just that little extra bit of grit that I... As a middle-aged, as a middle-aged woman, I kind of like having a little extra grip. No kidding, it's like wearing a seatbelt. Hey, you know what? There is. I have no shame. I will. I will spray sticky stuff all over my body. I will wear rubber on my butt. Whatever it takes to keep me in the saddle, because I'm all set with coming off. You know, I'm all set with that. Absolutely. But, now that um, they have the saddles with the slightly like stickier, tackier, softer leather. All about that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. There's just no need. There's yeah. no need to take the, uh, and I, I'm laughing about what she was saying about the old school saddles, how slippery they were. You know, it's like we used to ride in that stuff and we did and we were fine. I mean, I don't think we came off we any more care. often. We didn't care. Right. A, we didn't, we didn't get hurt as loaned much. me her. Yeah. A friend of mine loaned me her old like Creta Nations uh, a couple months ago and <laughs> rode around for a few minutes and I'm like, how did I do this? <laughs> You know, it's, they're flat, they're slippery. Well, we were happy to have Angie on and talk to us about um, her review. I'm I'm glad she had a good review. So what did you think about co-hosting the show? It's not as easy as it seems. Oh yeah, that was, there's a lot of work that goes into these shows that, that you, they're behind the scenes that you don't always see. So my hat's off to you guys. Yeah. Wow. It's, uh, and now I'm used to being Glenn's co-host. So doing Stable Scoop is is fairly easy for me. All I have to do usually is read the show notes and come in when Glenn cues me up. Right. Uh, but it's different when you produce the show, when you're sort of in the driver's seat, you got to match up. And he actually, Stable Scoop is produced a little bit different than my podcast, that Newport show. So Glenn does everything in one big, massive chunk. So the timing has to be right and the technology has to work. And as Rachel can attest, when the timing is wrong and the technology doesn't work, we get a lot of chatter behind the scenes, don't we? You know what, though? It works. It, it gets pulled together. It's, you know, it, it happens. It's all good. It's a work of art. You know, nothing comes out. There's a lot of erasing and scratching, and right? You, you draw a live little bit. Live theater is live. It happens. Add a girl. You just go with the flow. <laughs> well, it was really fun to have you along for the ride today. I hope you had fun. Oh, it was a good time. Thank you so much for asking me. That was that was fun. I hope uh, I hope it, it worked and everyone uh, had a good time. Yeah, we got to talk to. I mean, we got a lot of people on this show. We have you. We had Nick Snap. We had Lynn Popa, our listener of the week, and Angie Bailey. So it was it was a chock full of of 
guest today. Jeez, Glenn. <laughs> He's not allowed to go on vacation anymore. <laughs> it's just no way. No he was way. probably like, ah, let's see. Let's see. What can we do to keep Helena busy? You know. So but you, you know what? It, but now that you got works. your feet wet co-hosting, it'll be a lot easier the uh, next time Glenn goes on vacation. So I'll just be like, you got to get Rachel because that's how it's going to fly. Oh, it works for me. It works for me. We can have girls, girls day again. Okay. It'll be a good time. All right. Well, thanks everybody for following along with Rachel and I this week. For details about today's show, go to stablescoop.com. And did you know that you can get the HRN app on your iOS or Android phone? You can. Just search for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and it's super easy to use. And don't forget, there'll be another episode of Staple Scoop next Friday. I have no idea what it's going to be about, but it'll be up. So don't forget to check us out. You can find us again on iTunes, the app, Stitcher Radio, all over the internet, uh, stablescoop.com. And you know, we really love our auditors. So if you're not currently a Horse Radio Network auditor, Rachel, tell them why they should be an auditor. Oh, because it's the most fun thing on the entire planet. You get your super secret auditor Facebook page where we have crazy fun, lots of good times, stories, pictures, behind the scenes, gossip. Seriously. Gossip. Best Tips. money. Well spent. Yeah. The entertainment factor is through the roof. We have wonderful... Um, trainers on there and and really just sharing our own personal experiences. It's it's nice to know that you're not alone. And the auditors group, you never feel alone. There's always somebody there. You could post a picture at two o'clock in the morning and there'd be some auditor who's like, awesome. <laughs> like, Or when you think you're the only person that something strange has happened to, like, oh my gosh, I just did this. Four people will chime in and be like, oh, that happened to me. Don't worry about it. This is what I did. And it doesn't matter what it is. It so really that's pretty cool. It is a very warm and supportive community. So again, if you're not currently an HRN auditor, we highly suggest that you check it out and become one. Many thanks to this week's sponsors, horselovers.com, and of course, listeners like you, our auditors. Thank you very, very much to Rachel Rosenthal for joining me today as my co-host. You were wonderful. Oh, and thank you so much for giving me the chance. That was a good time. It was a good time. And that's it for this week's show, um, at least until next week, where there will be more. Until then, happy scooping.